This is Come and See from St. Andrew's Anglican Church for August 18th, 2013. The Gospel is taken from the book of Luke, chapter 12, verses 49 through 56. The message is by Father Ron Baird. In the United States, in fact, in the entire Western world, and this is something of an oxymoron, but um, is atheism. Did you all know that? It's one of the fastest growing faiths is atheism. And we have to look at why is it that atheism is growing so fast, given that they don't believe in anything. I mean, it seems like that shouldn't even work, doesn't it? But it does. And part of the reason it does is, is our fault, meaning the church. There are far too many people who think that if you go to church and you try to do the best you can and you try to be a moral person and you know don't mess up too much, that God will make your life good. And that if something bad happens to you, one of the first things we end up saying is, why would God let this happen to me? You know, and, and the problem with it is, is that that's exactly the point the atheists make. They want to say, if there is a God, then he would not allow all these bad things to happen. There wouldn't be, you know, hurricanes and tornadoes. There wouldn't be cancer and all these uh, wars and famine. Life would be good. Well, they got the idea from us. But the problem with it is, is that that God is not the God we know. You see, all too often when, when we see God as being someone who gives us rewards for doing the right things, we have confused God with Santa Claus. You know, it's Santa Claus who makes a list, going to find out who's naughty or nice. You know, and, and God isn't doing that. God created a universe and gave it free will. Now, I guess you could argue that he shouldn't have. You know, he should have just created a universe where everybody did the right thing. But the problem with it is, would you like to include that if you couldn't choose what you wanted to do? If you had to do what God wanted? And, and it, created a, it would create a real dilemma for God, because God created a world that He loved, and He wanted it to return that love to Him. But you can't really love someone if, if it's, you know, they, you know, the world can't love Him if we're being coerced to do it. How do you make somebody love something? And would it really be love then? And so the world that God created had this freedom in it. And because of this freedom, the world is really divided between good and evil. And there is a cosmic battle going on. You know, we know it in our own personal lives. We see it in, in a world stage. And it's even true in a supernatural stage. There's this fight that constantly goes on between good and evil. And it isn't a matter of that if I follow Jesus... That means I get all the goodies, and life will be good for me. There are preachers who preach that. It's called the prosperity gospel, but they're lying. It's not true. I mean, all you have to do is look at the, the disciples themselves and how many of them were martyred or thrown in jail. It didn't seem to work real well for them, did it? And certainly, they would have had it pretty good, if you would think if any of us would. No, instead, there's something entirely different going on. And that's for a God who enters into human history to help us to manage to make our way through the struggle of life, this battle between good and evil, and make a decision 
about which side we want to be on. Now, he does give us a promise in all that, which is that in the end, which means the very end time when the earth is recreated anew, um, it will all be good because all evil will be destroyed. But until that time, we are in this, you know, struggle. You know, theologians have often called that the church militant. That's what we are, is the church militant. You ever think of yourself as militant? Supposed to be doing battle against this evil that is in the world. That's what the purpose of the church is. Is to, you know, be a force for good. And all too often, we seem to think it's actually a way for me to get what I need. Now, Sometimes we do get what we need by going to church, and that's always a great thing. But that isn't its primary purpose. Its primary purpose is to equip us to help God to spread the word that we get to choose. That's what Jesus was trying to say today when he said, do not think that I come to bring peace, but division. In the Gospel of Matthew, he, he put it, do not think that I come to bring peace, but a sword, which causes division. He says, you know, a father will be divided against his son, and a son against his father, a mother against her daughter, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And that really does happen if you sell yourself out to Jesus. Because in this battle between good and evil, there's no real middle ground. You can't stand with one foot on each side. It doesn't work that way. And when you make a conscious choice for Jesus it will have consequences. And there will be people who will love you for it and will give you all sorts of praise for it. And there will be people who condemn you for it. Now, the only good news I can tell you about that is that that would be true no matter which side you picked. You know, if you chose the evil side, there would be people who would love you for it and there would be people who would condemn you for it too. And so either way, we are in this battle no matter what we do. And so the question for us becomes, what do we do about it? Well, first of all, we become cognizant of the battle. We, we pay attention. You know, if you walk through a Civil War battlefield and you weren't paying any attention to the fact there was a war going on around you, what do you think would happen? You'd probably be dead. I mean, it wouldn't work too well. You know, and you could walk there and say, this should not be happening. These people should not be fighting each other. Which might even be true, actually, but would it change it? One of the things I've noticed as I've gotten older, which really scares me, apart from the fact that my body's falling apart, is that um, the older I get, the more I think, this world is just falling apart. I mean, people are losing all their morals. Everything's going wrong. I mean, they don't have the right values anymore. And, you know, things used to not be like that. Anybody else feel that way? You know what's scary about that? Is that... We, we sort of gloss over what things were like. I mean, how many of us really want to go back to the riots of the 60s and 70s? How many of us really want to... Anybody here alive during the Cuban Missile Crisis? You remember it? What were you thinking was about to happen? We were getting ready to blow up the whole planet. You know, and, and you might say, well, before that it was better though. Well, well was it Really? better. You know, but just a little bit before that, we had World War II where we had imperialist powers on both sides of the globe trying to conquer the world. That didn't seem like a really good idea. Think of how many people died in World War II. 
You know, I go, well, before that it was better. Oh, do you want to go back to the Great Depression? I mean, we don't even handle a recession very well, much less a depression. Uh, what do we do with that one? Well, before that, we had the Roaring Twenties. You know, we could go back to that. Well, you did have the Roaring Twenties. You also had um, prohibition and gangsters and drive-by shootings. Does that sound familiar? But even more than that, you had a lack of some basic things like penicillin. Antibiotics weren't there. And if you caught an infection, if your body didn't fight it off, do you know what happened? You died. A lot of women died in childbirth. You know, it's really astounding when you think, hey, how many of us really want to go back to that? You say, well, go back before that. Well, you want to go back to the Civil War? You want to go back to the Revolutionary War? You want to go back to the Dark Ages? You know, where is it that we go back to that is, is better? And while, yes, there are some things that have gotten worse, there are also some things that have gotten better. And if we focus ourselves only on looking at the negative, then we allow the evil to defeat us because that's really what it wants to convince us of is that you cannot win. That evil is stronger than good. That Satan is stronger than God. And if we choose that path, even unwittingly, while still calling ourselves Christians, then we are lost because we have nowhere to go. So what do we do then? I mean, what are our options? Well, Paul talks about that in the letter to the Hebrews today. He, he gives us whole litany of people who had, had been faithful in the Old Testament. And one of the things that, that's interesting about this litany of people that he gives is that none of them, even though they were faithful and persevered, ever saw the promises that they were given. It's very much like Abraham. You remember Abraham? He was promised a land. He never got it. His grandchildren never even got it. You know, it was many generations later. You know, Moses was called to lead his people out of Egypt to the promised land. He didn't get there. Matter of fact, most of the people of that generation didn't get there. And so, all too often, we tend to think of success and, and godliness as being good and, and getting what we want. But it's really about persevering anyway. And every one of us is like, has people like that. Paul calls them that being surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Now, those aren't witnesses meaning that your grandmother and mother are in heaven watching everything you're doing. Those are the kind of witnesses that witness to us about faith in Christ and belief in God that provide us with a, 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 an example, a model to follow. You know, incense is always interesting to me. People either love incense or hate it. There's rarely, there are few people who are indifferent, but not very many. Most people love it. But one of the great things about incense is that it gives you much better sense of that cloud of witnesses, doesn't it? I mean, when you're standing in the middle of a cloud of incense, you feel like you're in a cloud. And that's part of the thing it represents. It takes our, our visual um, you know, feelings and our, our, our smell, sense of smell and it, it adds those to our worship. That's really the purpose of it. It's to help us to see and to smell the fact that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Now, every one of us has this great cloud of witnesses, and they're not the same people for all of us. But I suspect that all of you have had people in your life 
who made a difference in your faith. Who, who somehow or other gave you a model of what it meant to be a Christian. And if you would think of them for a moment, and I think it might be several of them, of who those people are. What is this great cloud of witnesses that, that people who really inspired you to want to be a Christian, to want to live that kind of life? Because those are the witnesses that you're surrounded by. And I suspect that for many of you, many of them died. You know, because that's part of what happens. But the truth doesn't make, isn't any less that we are surrounded by them because we are still one in Christ. They're not dead. They merely moved on. And we are still surrounded around God's altar with that cloud of witnesses, able to you know, be in contact with them through our Lord because they are with us always, just as Christ is with us always. And if they are with Christ, then how could they not be with us? And as we think of that cloud of witnesses who have made our lives better, who have inspired us to be better people and better Christians as a result of us, ask yourself a question. Who in the next generation is going to look to you and say, that was my witness. That was the person who inspired me to want to really follow Jesus Christ. Because you see, it's not enough just to have it and say, oh goody, I've got mine. When we have such a wonderful um, legacy that has been handed to us, we also have responsibility with it, which is to hand it to someone else. You know, and all too often what we seem to think that is, is by going out and changing the world. You know, and, and you have... You know, churches that do that too. They want to pass all these laws because if we got all the right laws in place, the world would be a wonderful place. But that's never worked. You know, and it can be liberal or conservative. doesn't really matter. They still want to coerce people into doing the right thing. And I've always thought even God doesn't coerce people into doing the right thing. So why are we so bent on doing it better than He does? No, the real thing that those witnesses did is they persevered. They did not allow the evil in the world to bring them down to its level. They rose above it and were better than it. And we too can do that in our world. We can't change the world by forcing it, but we can change parts of the world by modeling it, by being it, by being that witness for someone else. And what a shame it would be if in generations to come, nobody remembered us as witnessing to anything. How sad would that be? I fear that in Columbus anyway, that many of us will be known more for our witness for the Buckeyes than we are for God. And there are two things aren't entirely different. I mean, there's a great cloud of witnesses with the Buckeyes in there. Talk about Hopalong, Cassidy, Woody. I mean, people talk about these people like they're still walking around and we all know them. Even if we weren't even Buckeyes when they were alive. And they talk about the Ohio State tradition and how important that is in life. You know, I was listening to the sports radio yesterday and I heard Bo Pelini. You know who Bo Pelini is? Coach at Nebraska. He was talking about how wonderful the tradition of football is at Nebraska with the statues of Tom Osborne out front of the, the football facility. And they have all these things all around to remind students when they come in, these athletes, that they are part of something bigger than themselves and that they have a responsibility to pass that on. 
And I thought, that sounds really good. And then I read the paper and saw that two of our players had been suspended. And I thought, we need to teach them more. But maybe that was why they were suspended. But it's true for us too, isn't it? What do we leave? What is this legacy? When people look at the church, what will they know? I mean, have you seen the gorgeous buildings, church buildings, the old ones that are downtown and in various places? You know, who builds those anymore? St. <laughs> Paul's, yes. That's true in the resurrection. But I mean, at least there was something physical there for somebody to say, at one time, somebody cared. It made a difference. They stood for something. Well, what about us? Will we stand for something? And it doesn't have to be a building. It could be as a Sunday school teacher. It could be as an acolyte master. It could be as a hospitality person. It can be all kinds of things. But each one of us is called to be that witness. To make somebody's life better than it was before. To have somebody, when we die, glad that we are in that cloud. Because they can remember us, just as you remember those people. And so we have to choose. Which side will we be on? What will we do? Do we want to fight the evil? Or do we want to, um, you know, be... None of us ever say, no, I want to fight with the evil. That wouldn't be right. But do I want to stand on the sidelines? Which means we get co-opted and do it anyway. That's what happens, by the way. Every time that we see something that is wrong and say nothing. Is we are co-opted into helping the evil. We can make changes. We can offer the world the hope that Jesus Christ came to give it. But not by being anonymous. Only by being witnesses. And if you think back on those people who were special for you in your life, then think about what would it have been like if they had never said a word and then decide. Decide to be that witness for the next generation. Amen. You were just listening to Come and See. Come and See is a production of St. Andrew's Anglican Church in Little Center, Ohio. St. Andrew's is also available online at www.standrewspolaris.org. Please join us again when we invite you to come and see.